You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California. This is the number one podcast to help you win the day every day. Here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. This is the first time ever that we have done a live recording, a live streaming of the Win the Day podcast. So I'm so excited you're here with me today. I've got a very special guest who's going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about all of the amazing things that you can do to win 2023. Now, there's a really big, important theme that we have got for this episode, and that's starting the year. There's two different ways to do this. You either start the year by playing defense or you start the year by playing offense. Last year was probably the most difficult year of my life. I reached stress levels that I didn't know existed. And to be honest, I felt like I was playing defense the entire year. But you know what? I'm very grateful for that opportunity for all of those different things that happened because first of all, it's made me a lot more appreciative for starting the year on offense being 2023. I've I've learned so much and I've been able to apply so much. And I've also got an understanding of a lot of the struggles that people, particularly with, with kids. So if you're a parent and or running your your own business. You know how challenging it can be when all of these things come out of left field. So I wanted to create this episode to make sure that you had an opportunity to ask any question that you want of me as it relates to how to win 2023. And we're going to tackle specifically some of those things that you can do that if you've started the year on offense, what can you do to make sure that you make this the best year yet bar none and keep up that momentum? And if you're playing the year on defense, if you're starting the year playing defense, what can we do to make sure that you get up to speed as quickly as possible so you don't have to deal with all the stress and challenge and adversity and all of the different things that I went through um, in the last 12 months. So uh, if you're just joining us, make sure that you go and give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. This episode's going to be available as an audio file. If you're listening to the audio file now, that means you're on the podcast. And if you want to go and watch the video version of this episode, go and join the Win the Day Facebook group. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. I'm going to introduce a good friend of mine now, Billy, who's going to share some of her experiences as a mom, as an entrepreneur, and all of the challenges that she's faced at the moment but she's also doing some really cool things on the business side. So, um, Billy, welcome to the show. Do you want to give us a bit of an overview of who you are, some of the cool things that you're working on, and perhaps some of the challenges that you've faced so far in the last little while? Yeah, how's it going? Um, So I'm Billy Osmus, and within the last two years, um, I invented a patent-pending product. It's called the Repaint Tray. I used to paint furniture for a living and refinish them for people, and um, I came across the problem of going through a lot of plastic waste with the plastic paint tray liners, and I wanted something reusable. Um, So I invented a reusable paint tray liner with a lid, and right now I am in the manufacturing phase and trying to uh, build up my social following and find investors and just kind of worked that product stream uh, from scratch. And right now it's kind of been an incredibly stressful time of my life, but also exciting at the same time. Um, I am a stay-at-home mom at the same time. I have two young kids right around the same age as James here. And so being able to balance the life of being a mom and building a business and bringing a product to market has been insane. So when James and I's paths crossed, um, I just knew I had to talk to him because I, I know he understands the process and the stress of it all. So um, yeah, that's kind of my story right now and where I'm at. And what can people do to support you in your in your journey at the moment, Billy? Give us an idea of where people can find you. 
Yeah. Um, you could follow me on social media. The biggest one is uh, Instagram. My personal page is mama, M-A-M-A underscore B-E-E underscore K-A-Y. That's my personal one. Otherwise, my business one is silicone dash or no, silicone.studios. Otherwise, my website is silicone-studios.com. There you can kind of learn a little bit more about me and my product process and everything that's kind of been going on this far. Love it, Billy. Uh, Billy's joining us from Iowa. We've got people tuning in from all around the world now, and I've got a bunch of questions to make sure that we can answer. Before we do that, I want to let you know about my success plan. It's the exact goal-setting template that I use. It's available for free. It's a, it's a free download. You don't need to enter your email or do anything like that. It's available now on Google Suite for the first time. So you can use a Google Doc version if you're more comfortable with things like Word documents. Or there's also a Google Sheet version if you're more comfortable with things like spreadsheets. So click the link in the show notes. Make sure you download a free copy of the success plan template. Look at the second tab of that document and it's going to walk you through step-by-step exactly how to complete it. And if you've got any questions or uh, any, um, if you need any help completing it, then you can send me an email or post in the Win The Day Facebook group. Um, all right, let's start with a few uh, questions now. What I'm going to do, um, I'm going to finish this up by going through a whole bunch of different things that you can do to optimize the year if you're playing offense and some things that you can do to make sure that you keep your head above water if you're playing defense. Before we get into those, thing, uh, into those things, Billy, do you want to kick off perhaps with a, a couple of questions? questions related to the challenges that you're facing so far? Yeah. um, One of my questions that I had was, um, how has your mindset really evolved and changed in business and just in life in general since becoming a parent? Oh, it's a good, it's a good question. So becoming a parent made me realize that there is this whole other parallel universe happening at the exact same time. Like I just, I was going through life and I just had no idea how difficult it could be with all of these, uh, with all of these different challenges. So the mindset for that, um, being a kid, uh, being a parent for the first time, like when you have one kid, of course you talk about how hard it is and 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 how stressed you are. But it's only when the second kid comes along, and that was that's we had a really difficult second um, phase with our with kid number two because our first kid started sleeping through the night at six weeks old, whereas kid number two, our our beautiful baby boy Henry, who just turned one last week, I mean this is a kid who still struggles to sleep through the night. He wakes up three or four times every night because he's a big boy. He eats a lot. And that makes him quite gassy. And of course, his organs are growing so quickly at this stage. So when when you're dealing with that real life sleep deprivation, it's very, very difficult. But one of the biggest lessons, and and to to a large degree, there's there's really not much you can do um, from a sleep perspective if it's just getting disrupted constantly. Even if you're not the one getting up to do all the nighttime feeds, it can still be very disruptive. Um, So a really big one for me was recognizing that um, when Previously, I was always so diligent about everything that I ate and when I went to bed to make sure that I was in the absolute best possible headspace. When we had two kids, it made me realize that there's no time to waste. You've got to get up. You've got to get into it. And it doesn't really matter how you feel. You have to get it done. That's that's what it's about. A lot of people in life are waiting for motivation. They're waiting to feel good before they go and do something. So a big benefit of being a parent is you realize how much you can accomplish even if you don't feel amazing. So that's been a really huge, um, a really big uh, light bulb aha moment for me on this parenting journey. Uh, uh, what other what other questions have you have you got? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I couldn't I could not agree more. The motivation. Oh my gosh! As soon as my son goes down for his nap, I'm on my laptop, like <laughs> getting stuff done because I, you know, time is precious. Um, 
Yeah. My next question is, um, how have you found a balance between business and family without feeling like you're neglecting both of them? Oh, another really good question. Um, Honestly, there's, there's I, I've done so much soul searching in the last probably four months. In fact, I, I, I made a decision um, to remove myself from some of the business ventures that I was involved in, so I could I could spend more time being present with family. And uh, I have a very busy wife who travels a lot for work. She's on calls constantly, starting at about seven in the morning. Um, so there's been a lot of stuff to to balance there. So. Um, a big part of all of that for me was trying to figure out, well, who am I and what's the energy that I want to bring into these different situations? That's led so much to the um, life that I've tried to create. I've, I've tried to really prioritize what's most important for me. And uh, a big part of that comes down to the morning routine that you have. It's communicating your expectations with the other person. It's doing things like goal setting together, making sure that you remove things like your mobile phone from being in the in the same room because something I like to say all the time is that you can't be productive without being present. Yet if we're trying to do work at the same time as we're being a parent, it's very, very difficult. If you've got a toddler who is vying for your attention, which happens with one kid, but when you've got two, there's, there might be two kids who are vying for your attention or, or things getting thrown on the floor constantly. So um, I tried to think about, I, I really basically after the situation of last year really broke me down, I tried to really build myself up in a way that I could have an entire life where everything that gave me energy and I just, it was, I've spent probably a week on what I want my ideal life to look like and filling out my success plan and figuring out what a lot of those steps are. And I'll go through a lot of them in, in more detail later to make sure that I never put myself in a position um, to struggle as much as I did last year. I mean, there were so many amazing things that happened last year, just to, just to clarify, but uh, there were a lot of things that I also could have um, could have handled a lot better. So when you can get a lot better at creating boundaries and creating separation, and one of the most important things that you can do for that, that I like to do, is my wife knows that I need that 15 or, or 10 or 15 minutes to myself first thing in the morning to be able to get centered and get focused on what needs to be done for the day. She gives me that time. I sit in the sunshine out in the backyard with a coffee. I do my daily journal. I write down what's most important to me and, and what I'm grateful for. Once I have that, I'm ready to take on the world. But if I try and be a hero and do a whole bunch of other different things before I've had that moment to center myself, then it's, it's quite a disaster because I can be very irritable. Um, if, you know, if I haven't had a coffee and haven't had that time to be, to be grateful. Um, and when you're so tired, which is what happens when you're a parent, your instinct is to say, look, I'm going to sleep in until the kids start crying and they're going to be my alarm. And I recently started doing a, um, morning radio broadcasts in New York, which requ requires me to be up at 5.30 in the morning. So now I'm making sure that I can be up like at least an hour before the kids so I can get that time in for myself. I can make the meals and, and do all of those different things. I just, I feel like that's really important. That's a tough one to wake up before the kids. <laughs> <laughs> it is. What time do your kids wake up, Billy? Um, usually about 6.37. So my husband usually gets up with my daughter about 6.30 and then I'm up when my son gets up at about 7. And that's hard. <laughs> it, it is. And so uh, also a really big part of this, given that you're a business owner and you're dealing with a lot of, um, you have a lot of really important things that you need to conquer on a professional setting. So a big part of that is thinking about what are those hours for you when you're the most productive, like when you have the most energy. If that time for you is like 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, 
that's the time that you need to really do that work. The kids are in bed, you're feeling great. They're the hours when you create the separation, you create the space and the boundaries, and that's when you do the stuff for you. But if you're spending your most creative time on basically meaning, not not meaningless, but things that aren't moving your big goals forward. An example of that could be if you're spending your most creative hours taking your kids for a walk, it's bad timing to be to be doing that. I realized for me that my most creative hours were between 10 a.m. and 12 noon. I don't schedule any meetings during that time. That's when I can move my big things. Um, that's when I can move my big things forward. Yeah, that's really great advice. Um, so my next question is how do you, I mean, it kind of ties into the last one, but how do you overcome the overwhelm of being a parent and an entrepreneur? Overwhelm is is a big one. So something I started doing about uh, about fourteen months ago, I actually was speaking at an event, and I looked at some photos of myself afterwards. And you know, we all, we all we all judge ourselves a little bit too harshly than we probably should. We're always our own worst critic. I saw some of these photos, and I just didn't really like the way um, I didn't really like the way I looked. And I actually hopped on the scale at the pediatrician's office, and we went for like a, a doctor's appointment with the kids. And I couldn't believe it. I'd lost so much weight because um, if I'm not really focused on doing these different things and, and, and going somewhere to get a fitness class in and having someone yell at me and tell me what to do. I know what to do, but I just need someone to hold me accountable to help me do it. And doing the fitness class and prioritizing that means that I can then prioritize nutrition, which means I sleep better and the whole system works really well. So about 14 months ago, I started doing a fitness class. I do that about uh, one or two times a week. And that really, that is huge for me. That just gives me that, um, that ability to feel good about myself. It gives me that separation so I can bring more energy back in. And that's what you need to do when your partner's in the family, both of you, you're, you're, you're all, you're all stakeholders, you're all partners. And it's essential as part of that, given that you're all stakeholders, that you need to bring energy back. And if the other person goes and does an activity that gives them energy, you can't condemn them for that. You need to be very supportive of someone who says, I'm going to go surfing or I'm going to go and hang out with my friends or whatever it is. Give them the time to have that space so they can bring more energy back and take the pressure off you when you're feeling low on energy. Um, There's even the concept of a perfect day. Like you can ask your partner, write down, what does the ultimate day look like for you? What's your perfect 24 hours? And make sure that you can give that to the other person every every couple of months. That's another way that you can go and um, do those things. Uh, That actually kind of ties into one of my other questions is, um, how are you supporting your partner's dreams and goals while you are building your own? Yeah, my, my wife has very big professional aspirations. She works for this enormous company. They've got, they've got more than a billion dollars in, in funding. Um, she's traveling constantly. So the ways that I support her, uh, and for all the dads out there who have young kids, the common criticism that I, that I hear about all the dads is that they don't clean the bottles when it comes to milk from, from feeding the baby. So dads, make sure you're, you're cleaning the bottles if you've got babies and, and, uh, and young kids. So, um, we have a cleaner who comes in the house once a month. That's amazing where we just, you know, obviously you spend a lot of time cleaning the house before the cleaner gets there, but that's a, you know, a small investment, but it's a massive stress reliever. So that's something that we do together to, to sort of clear out our, our headspace. Um, another thing that I, I really like to do personally is I set a calendar notification um, that goes off to make sure that I do an act of kindness for, for my wife. So that's just something that it's amazing how frequently this comes up. I think it's every two or three weeks. I actually forget what frequency it is, but that is where I can do something consciously to go above and beyond to do something special and something kind that day. 
Um, apart from that, um, doing things like waking up early so I can I can take on the kids fully in the event that she has those calls. Um, I try and stop work earlier to, to make sure that we can cook meals. And when we're cooking meals, I can go and do things like meal prep. So we have stuff that's, that's sitting in the fridge. And even um, encouraging her to do things like where we can go for a walk as a family or to do goals together or to go for a fitness class just to have that time as a couple to go and, and get out of our space and away from the kids who we love more than anything um, to go and be able to do that. They're some of the things that are, are really important, but I, I'm very conscious about uh, what and, and proactive about what can I do to support my partner to the best of my ability to free her up as much as possible. Um, probably a final thing on that is because she travels so much for work, I'm always, it, it's never, even if she was to go away for two weeks, I would never say that's a bad thing. She only goes away for sort of three nights at a time, but I'm always very supportive in terms of like, yep, I know you're traveling for work. What can we do to make sure that process is, um, is as efficient as possible? Uh, Billy, I want to make sure that we can get to some of these other questions that we've, that we've got here as well. And I know, and I know you've got a bunch more, so we can, we can tackle them afterwards. If you're joining us live on the Facebook group, drop a comment, let us know where you're tuning in from. If you've got a question that you'd like us to episode, uh, to, if you'd like us to answer that on this episode, just drop a comment on the live stream that you can see here in the Facebook group. We had a question here from Sean in Sydney. So I wanted to make sure that we can get this and we'll answer Danny's question after this too. So uh, Sean said, what do you think is the most, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a common question actually, and something that I have thought about so much in the last few years. What do you think is the most effective way to prioritize all the balls that we juggle in modern day life? And how do we stay focused and motivated to tick them off the list. What do you think is the most effective way to prioritize everything and how do we stay focused and motivated to tick all of those things off the list? Um, what I wanted to do here is I wanted to go and share what I included in my success plan. So one of the biggest changes that I made for the success plan for this year is that I replaced the word mission with the word purpose because it's important that when we think about purpose, it mightn't be one single definition. So I wanted to read to you the purpose that I have for my own life to help encourage you to create your own purpose, to add to your own success plan or to use it however you wish. So my first purpose is family because I have two purposes that are working concurrently as I suspect all of you who are tuning into this do as well. My very first purpose is family. So here's my purpose. I'm, I'm literally reading out what I've written for that. I am a father who leads by example, provides unconditional love and prioritizes presence with my kids each day. I raise them to value hard work, resourcefulness, resilience, compassion, accountability, and the importance of family. So that's my family purpose. That's me as a dad, as a husband, and my role in the family. My second purpose, which again operates concurrently, is career. So my professional purpose is I'm continually mastering the essence of what it means to win the day. Through my discipline, examples, and teachings, I will help as many people as possible to think bigger than their circumstances, make decisions aligned with who they truly are, and realize their potential so that they can become the positive and disruptive leaders of tomorrow. 
So that's my family purpose and that's my career purpose. Now, an interesting thing happens when you start to think about all of the things that you want in life and you go and fill out something like a success plan, you can review it afterwards and say, you know what? There are some things in here I've included that don't align with what those two purposes are. And then you remove those items because especially when you become a parent, you just don't have time for the these other things that are going to distract you. You have to get very, very good at discarding the things that aren't absolutely essential to you living your purpose. Because the more activities that you can do with things that are related to your purpose, the more energy that you will have, the more momentum you will build, the more confidence you will have, and all of those things will happen. So um, I've spoken a lot about the success plan. For people who are struggling to think about what to include in the success plan, as in those little individual pieces in there, I want you to think about Um, If you're not driving right now, if if you are driving, keep your eyes open. If you're not driving, close your eyes right now and think about that if you had the most amazing year ever, the most perfect 12 months, you're sitting in your most comfortable chair reflecting on this perfect year that you had and you're reading a book on your life for the last 12 months, it's the end of 2023, and you're thinking about, and you're with each page, you can see there in vivid detail, you're looking at pictures of all the amazing, the most amazing things that happened for you in the previous 12 months. What things happened? What are you looking at? What are those photos revealing about you? What are those moments? What are those experiences? What are those achievements? Think about that as you go through that book mentally. And then after that, what I want you to do is capture those things that you saw on the success plan, capture all of those things on there. And the next step from there is that we reverse engineer those moments, those experiences, and those achievements. And we think about what actions we can take today that are going to make those things come true tomorrow. And when you can do that with things that are related to your purpose, which might be twofold, like I shared earlier, that's going to give you a massive amount of motivation. It's going to help you filter out the things that aren't going to give you energy. It's going to filter out the people that you know you shouldn't be hanging around with. It's going to filter out the invitations that you know you should say no to. Because what a lot of this comes down is the standards. Like what are the standards that you're willing to accept for yourself every day? I'm not willing to hang around toxic people you know, who are going to talk trash and just not be good for my mental health. I'm not going to tolerate watching the news and doing different things like that. That's going to make me, um, that's going to make me negative. So Sean, I hope that, uh, I hope that helps provide a little bit more clarity. Um, Danny, I want to answer your question. Danny is also in Sydney. Um, Danny said, uh, thank you. Such a great initiative. Um, I'm, I purchased a subscription to the day one journal. The day one journal's amazing. I'm now 525, um, daily journal entries in Danny. So, um, I love that you're using that. Um, you're also using the win the day template, Danny, which is awesome. Uh, Danny, you said your question is now that I've transitioned from the government sector to the private sector with a major supermarket retailer here in Australia, what would be the best way to grow my brand? When I say my brand, I mean me as an asset and my capabilities for future growth or opportunity, whether that be in this company or another one. Danny, really great question. Uh, I guess my answer to that would be twofold. First of all, I'd be thinking about what are you doing to maximize the value that you're providing to your company that you're with at the moment. I know you've had a lot of amazing wins since you joined with this company. All that stuff is in the rear view. You don't want to rest on those laurels anymore. (coughs) Excuse me. What is the value 
that you're going to provide now and how you can maximize how you're sharing that value with that company. So that's the very first thing that I would be doing. And the second thing that I would be doing is thinking about what are you doing to become a thought leader rather than a thought follower. I open up all of my social media and all I see is these thought followers out there. They're sheep repeating the same annoying echo of all this stuff that already exists. What are you doing to stand out and be a thought leader rather than a thought follower? Because when you're a thought leader, you move away from being a commoditized product with a defined salary and you go towards being a unique product that you can really charge whatever you're worth essentially. And that's a really great position to be in. So maximize the value to your company from now on rather than resting on your laurels and become a thought leader rather than a thought follower. Um, Let's go, uh, Billy, let's go back over to you for any other questions you have. And then I will go through um, a few of the other things I wanted to cover. Yeah. um, Let's see. What is one job that you've had in your past that has really taught you what not to do now? Oh, by job, do you mean like an actual occupation that I've had? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe a toxic employer or supervisor. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I've had so many different uh, different jobs over the years. Um, one interesting one for me was actually when I was working as the assistant manager of a, of a nightclub. I mean, the hours were, which, which was a job I, you know, I quite enjoyed. I met some really interesting people there. But when you're working in the nightlife where you, your shift is from like 7am to literally five in the morning or or six in the morning, because the, um, the, the bar that I was working at, which was a live music venue, would finish at about five. So you'd have to close up after that. You're around smoke, you're around drinking, you're eating McDonald's rather than than healthy food. So um, that was one of the things where after I had a really big turning point and made the decision to sort of um, adopt this optimal performance mentality when I was, you know, in my early 20s, that was one of the biggest things that I realized. It was something that was stable, but really focused on growth and mentorship and finding the right opportunities. So moving away from some of those toxic environments was a huge thing. And in the short term, it doesn't really matter how much money you're earning. Of course, we all have different needs and we've got to pay the bills for the groceries and rent and, and all of these different things. But if you can do everything that you can to just get by today, if you're putting yourself in the position to have an amazing opportunity where you get the right mentors and the right knowledge. And that's what can set you up for massive growth and massive success on your own back down the track. So make sure you're in an environment that pushes you to be your best and raises your idea of what's possible and helps develop your skills rather than prioritizing a paycheck in the short term. Yeah. Um, I actually have a different question that I just thought of. Um, you were kind of talking a little bit more about mentors. And I definitely agree having a mentor is something that can be very valuable for just personal growth, but business growth too. Um, so while there are kind of an overarching, you know, there's overarching um, coaches, personal life coaches and whatnot, how, how and where do you find these mentors that might be a little more specific to what you're working on? So for me, finding a mentor specifically in product manufacturing. Really good question. Mentors more broad. I know you said specifically, I'll get to that in a second, but mentors more broadly to start off with from the written word. That's that's where you find all the best mentors. Every problem that you're facing right now has been answered in millions and millions of books that exist. You can go and buy a book for 10 bucks or 20 books, get it delivered to your door at, at midday uh, tomorrow, and you're going to be able to tap into the minds of the best people in your field as quickly as possible. I am a voracious reader, not because I love reading. I, there's a million 
doing things I'd rather be doing on, than, than reading. I'd, I could watch TikTok videos or, or go for a run or do anything else, but I prioritize massive amounts of reading every single day because of the knowledge and the problems that can get solved and the skills that I can develop from that. So mentors through the written word is the biggest one. After that, in terms of mentorship, I'd be looking at the people in your circle who you already know, but outside and also outside of that, who they know. So it's not just the people that you're connected with. It's also the people who are connected to the people that you're connected with. A big part of that is getting outside of your comfort zone. It can be difficult if you're living in an area where there aren't too many events going on or if it's a small town, but that's when you've got to make this stuff a priority to, to get out of your comfort zone. I went to an event the other day by myself. I mean, it's a very daunting thing to go to any event by yourself, but I went because I was supporting a friend who's a very influential person. He's the drummer, Kenny Aronoff, who we've actually featured on the Win the Day podcast before. And that was where I was able to meet a guy called Tyler Bates, who's one of the world's top composers. I think the movies that he's composed music for um, have made more than $5 billion in revenue. We've got him coming on the podcast soon, all because I made the decision to attend an event by myself and just start talking to different people. So don't wait for mentors to come and knock on your door. You've got to get out of your comfort zone, go and attend events, go and reach out to different people in your network who might be able to connect you with someone. Uh, reading books from people who are industry leaders in that field, following the content that they're creating on social media, connecting with the people who are um, active on those different accounts and who they're following. They're some of the things that you can do really easily. Outside of that, creating a podcast and being able to interview those people is an absolute slam dunk. I know we're going to talk a little bit about podcasting later, um, but in episode 100 uh, that I recorded with Brandon T. Adams, our mutual friend of this podcast, I shared a whole bunch of different things about the value of having your own podcast. One of the best things about that is that you can realistically, maybe not immediately, but like eventually, you can get pretty much anyone that you want on the planet to sit down with you for an hour when you can ask them any question you want. You just don't get opportunities to do that otherwise. You can't reach out to the founder of a billion-dollar company and say, hey, can we go out to lunch for an hour? It's just not going to happen, but you can do that through a podcast and you get access to those people through your network and slowly build it up um, from there. Uh, why don't we do one more question, Billy, then I'll go through some of these other these other things that I wanted to, to cover. Yeah. Um, again, an unrelated question, but uh, one of the books that I know um, you and Brandon have talked about a lot is Think and Grow Rich. And that is one book that I am currently in the process of reading. Um, and I believe that you guys had put on a movie together, correct? Uh, Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy, right? Yep, that's right. Yep. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about that experience and putting that together? And if it's still available, where can we watch that? Absolutely. So the Thinking Grits, the Legacy movie, there's uh, a different distribution team who's involved in that. They have a website. I think it's available online um, at the moment. If you just Google Thinking Grow Rich, the Legacy movie, you'll be able to go and grab a copy. Um, that was huge because, you know, the things that we just spoke about before in terms of uh, interviewing different people, which can 
provide you with a certain level of authority and social proof and all of those different things. That was a hugely helpful endeavor for me being in the United States. I'm from Australia. I didn't really know anyone over here. Now, all of a sudden, I'm connected with Success Magazine, the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Brandon, uh, Rob Deerdeck, Barbara Court, you know, all these different people who were featured in that project. I spoke to um, Don Green this morning from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Um, the book is now available. The book that I wrote is now available in more than 15 languages around the world, all because of that decision to get out of my comfort zone and do different things like that. That's, it's, it's why I'm such a big believer in getting out of your comfort zone and, and building up the knowledge that you have, the value that you have, because the more valuable you become, the more value you have to um, add to other people. Uh, I wanted to make sure now there's two sort of sections here that I want to talk about. The first is starting the year on offense and the first, and the second is starting the year on defense. So let's talk about starting the year on offense. What are some things that you can do if you feel like you've started the year strong, and I feel like I'm, I'm starting the year really strong, which is great. I can I can feel the energy. I had all the time to do my business planning and my personal goals and all of that, which was a real struggle last year. <clears throat> to, to provide you some context on what happened for me last year, I got COVID on Christmas Day uh, while my wife was nine months pregnant, and we found out that she was four centimeters dilated the within one hour of me testing positive for COVID. So this was like a crazy time. It's bucketing down rain. We couldn't go in. We couldn't go outside. So I'm inside, looking up inside the house, looking after our two-year-old daughter at the time with COVID, obviously wearing a mask and trying to stay as far away from her as possible, while my wife was out attending appointments and. At the time, I wasn't even allowed into hospitals. Um, I had to go to COVID testing facilities like four times a day just to try and test negative. Um, so many different things related to that. Then it leads into the sleepless nights and everything else. So when I talk about playing defense, that gives you a little bit of the context of, of some of those um, challenges. So first of all, for people who are playing offense, I want you to recognize that the number one thing that you need to do is you need to build on the momentum that you already have and you need to maintain that momentum. Build on the momentum you already have and maintain that momentum. It doesn't matter how strong you start. It matters your output for the entire year. That's what we need to do by harnessing this momentum that you already have. The next part about this is to find people around you who can raise your idea of what's possible and help you achieve the things that you know you've got on your list. You don't want to uh, create the ultimate plan and have it sitting in a drawer somewhere. You want to go and get around amazingly influential people, industry experts, and whoever really you can get connected with who can help you grow. Get around those people so they can help you achieve all of those wins as quickly as possible and help you do that. Uh, the next one would be making sure that you've got balance in your life. There's too many people who prioritize their financial well-being and their family's a mess. There's too many people who prioritize physical health, but they've got poor relationships. Or they don't have a successful business. Like, what are you doing to make sure that you've got balance in your life? It's not... It's not beneficial to be successful in one area. It's much better to be less successful, but have that holistic idea of success. So make sure you've got that balance. And then the final thing, if you're playing offense this year, and I know you've already got that momentum, which is great, it's to be grateful for, for things in your life before you need to be. I'll, I'm going to record a full episode on, on this later, but when you're grateful for the things 
that you have before you lose them, it's very, very different. And it's it's the last thing we want to do, right? Because when we're feeling good about our physical health, we don't want to go and be grateful for our physical health. But I tell you what, when your back is out or you've got a toothache or a broken arm, whatever it might be, that's when you're like, oh, I need to start working on my physical being. But at that point, it's difficult for the gratitude stuff, which you obviously should do. It's a lot easier to be grateful then than it is at the start. So I want you to be grateful for something before you need to be. That's what I'm doing. I'm grateful for um, my physical well-being and all of these different things. And that's going to help maintain a lot of that consistency. Now, for people who are starting the year on defense, the first thing I want you to do is lower your expectations. And I know that might sound a little bit weird. When I went and did a family trip to Australia in April of 2022, I thought I'd lowered my expectations, but I hadn't really. So much of the mental adversity and hardship that I went through was because I had higher expectations because for people who have their own business and are doing some pretty cool things, or even as a parent where you want to make sure that you're a really good, responsible, um, and loving, kind, adventurous parent, we have these lofty ideas of what we want to do, this perfectionist mentality. And when we don't live up to that, that creates so much stress. It's a little bit like that quote, the problem is not the problem, your reaction is the problem. So if you lower your expectation of what's possible, you're going to be in a much better headspace to be able to have all this positivity and productivity. The next part is I want you to stick to a daily routine that works. A lot of people tell me they have a daily routine, but they don't stick to it. If you don't stick to it, then it's not a routine for you. Um, I've recorded a lot of stuff already on what my daily routine looks like, so I don't want to go through that in too much detail. I will give you a quick overview. So here are some of the things that I do in the morning. First is waking up before the chaos. By chaos, that's my affectionate term for my two kids like Billy and I spoke about earlier. Waking up before they get up is a big deal. Um, Second is recognizing that the day is there to be won or lost. If you don't make the decision to win, you've automatically made the decision to lose. So consciously make the decision to win. I do that by looking at my win the day bracelet every single morning. The next bit, sacrifice. What pain are you willingly presenting yourself to and entering into to prove that you've turned up for today? That's the sacrifice phase. So me, that's stepping into a cold shower. The last thing I want to do, yet I do it every single morning to prove how badly I want it. Next bit from there, like we spoke about before, is gratitude. Not just writing gratitude, but really feeling it, being grateful. It stimulates more positive thoughts. Um, After that, I'd be writing down what three things that you're going to do today that would make today a win and don't go to bed until those three things are done. I mean, if if you have that as your routine alone, it's going to lead to massive things over the long term. So make sure you can do that. Next for the evening routine, reading before bed is such a big one. Most people are scrolling through their phone. I like to read before bed because your brain, while it's asleep, it's so much more efficient because your eyes are closed so your brain doesn't have to process all of that visual stimulation. And because it's so quiet outside, your brain doesn't have to process all the sounds because it's it's very quiet. So it's actually a really good time for your brain to be able to work on your subconscious. So what I like to do is read before bed, And I always think about right before I go to sleep, I always have one request to my subconscious. What do I want it to work on while I'm sleeping? I do that every single night. Sometimes it's just me expressing gratitude for my perfectly healthy body that is capably carrying me through life. 
I can say that verbatim because I've been doing that one a lot lately. Um, But whatever it is, just make sure that you have that final thought before you go to bed. What is it? And then finally, prioritizing sleep. I mean, that's such a, it's such a big one. Um, Admittedly, I'm pretty bad at that. It's something that I always need to really focus on is going to bed before like 1130 or 12. So um, trying to go to bed at about 10 o'clock is something that I'm really focused on at the moment. And the reading is really helping for that. Um, So that's lower your expectations, sticking to a daily routine that works. The next step from there is really setting boundaries, like setting boundaries for when you have your business time, setting boundaries for when you have your family time. You don't want this stuff to overlap. All that happens when you overlap, when that overlaps, is that you're going to get overwhelmed. So make sure that you create boundaries so that doesn't happen. Getting help. I mean, there's a lot of people who are in a situation where they can't get help, and I know that's really tough, but really try and be as resourceful as you can. What can you do to get help? from family members or friends or um, asking just other people around you, your support network to lean on. There's got to be something that you can do to get more help and don't feel bad asking for help. It's one of the reasons why people don't get the help. It's because they feel bad asking for it, but people want to help. Like if Billy asked me for a favor, Billy, of course I want to help you. But if I don't know what you want and what you need help with, then I can't help you. So make sure that you're always clear and upfront with the people around you about how they can support you and what help you need. Um, Apart from that, I think just making sure from a business perspective as well, make sure you're never reinventing the wheel. So what I mean by that is making sure that you can create processes so you're never doing the same thing over and over again. If you're recording a podcast, what templates are you creating? If you're recording social, if you're publishing content on social media, what processes and templates do you have to make sure that you're never reinventing the wheel so you can get that output with as minimal effort as possible? If you're sending out emails, what email templates and shortcuts have you set up so you can get that done in a fraction of the time? What are you doing to even outsource some of that stuff so you don't have to do everything yourself? Uh, another thing, there's probably two other things that I wanted to, to make sure that we, we cover here. Um, that would be, be happy giving yourself time to recover. If you're a working parent in particular, or you have your own business, you probably feel really bad about taking time off when you're not working. It's a very difficult habit to break out of. It's been a really, it's been like, that's like a 10 year habit that I've, that I've, um, recently was able to break myself out of but actually being proud to give yourself time off. Be proud to sit there and watch a movie at nighttime or go to the beach and not worry about checking your phone or doing your emails because that's the stuff that allows your body to recover and so you will be more creative when you revisit your work the next day. So be happy to give yourself that time to recover. And the final bit is just finding joy in every day. I mean, out of all the people that I interviewed, one of the common things coming out as it relates to burnout is that if you're happy and finding joy every single day, you are far less likely to experience burnout. So know some of the things that give you joy and make sure that you give yourself an opportunity to be able to experience and feel that every single day. So there's some of the things of what it's like to play offense. And if you're playing defense, some of the things that you can do to make sure that you win 2023. I know we covered a lot and I went pretty fast with that. I only did that because there was so much to cover and I'm conscious that people can go and play back this podcast. You can replay it or you can go and check out the video here on the live stream in the Win The Day Facebook group. Uh, Billy, before we wrap it up, have you got any comments on that? And then we can maybe go to one last question um, from you before we finish. 
Uh, I mean, the biggest thing is I can 1000% relate. Um, I got COVID when I was 37 weeks pregnant with my son and my whole family (laughs) got it. Oh my gosh. I was hoping that I didn't go into labor because they're just, everything was still so tight at that moment with regulations at the hospital. And I thought I was going to have to labor alone and thank God everything worked out. We all tested negative before I ended up going into labor and all this stuff. Anyway, um, Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest changes that I've made is reading before bed. And while I'm still working on implementing other things into my routine, um, that was one small change that I made. And even if it's just a paragraph before I go to bed, it's just one of those things that I can say, okay, I've I've read a little bit. I can close my book, you know, try and shut off my brain and go to sleep and prepare for the next day. And I mean... routine has probably been the hardest thing for me as I've been trying to take care of kids and take care of a business at the same time, because anybody that knows with little kids, interruptions happen all the time (laughs) that you're just never prepared for. So you could be knee deep in a meeting or a project you're working on. And all of a sudden you've got a kid yelling at you from the bathroom that they need help. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, (laughs) yes. So no, I've learned so much just from talking with you today, James, and I really appreciate your insight on everything. Yeah. Hey, my pleasure, Billy. I know you had one more question related to podcast guesting. Do you want to cover that before we before we go? Because I suspect there'll be a few other people out there who might want to uh, want to know how they can benefit from that too. Yeah. Um, so podcasting, I am a podcast absorber. I listen to hundreds of podcasts. My phone tends to yell at me that I need to free up <laughs> my iPhone space because I have too many podcasts <laughs> downloaded. Um Anyway, the biggest thing for building my business, because I am such a big podcast absorber, is how can I reach out to these people um, to be able to be a part of their podcast and get on their podcast? Because it's it's not a goal of mine to create a podcast. I don't believe I have the time or the expertise for that, but I would love to be on podcasts and talk to other people that I have kind of either gone before me or are in the same kind of wheelhouse as me. Absolutely. Um you said that you don't have the expertise to have your own podcast and you said that you don't have the time. Expertise means nothing. I started my podcast with a USB mic. If you go and look at it, I can't believe I'm even saying this. For anyone who goes back and looks at episode two, which is the first video version of my podcast, go and look how different it was compared to now. I had no idea what I was doing, but you know what? I got it done. I turned up and now this is like episode 120 or something like that. So expertise isn't a factor. Time absolutely is. So I would say for you, Billy, right now, you shouldn't have a podcast because you can benefit from from podcasting in a whole bunch of other different ways. So um, your objective then to be a guest. So I want to go back to visit the underlying assumption on the podcast that you mentioned there, which is that that would be the best way or one of the best ways to be able to promote your business and everything that you're doing. It is, but also being able to tap into your professional network and everything else. I think some of that stuff done privately can be far more effective than just being a guest on someone else's podcast. Because I know for me personally, if I'm a guest on someone's show, I generally feel very drained afterward. It's not a great feeling and I don't have enough energy then to give to my own business. So that energy that you have, if you can give that to your business or to connecting with people privately who can grow all those different things, that can be really valuable rather than allocating all of your energy to guesting on people's podcasts. And I've been a guest now, I think, on like more than 300 different podcasts. So I think that would be something interesting to think about. Now to actually answer your question, which I know I haven't <laughs> I haven't done yet, 
This is how I got featured on more than 150 podcasts in a single year. So if the people who actually waited around for this part, you're in luck. What I wanted to share with you is exactly how I have done that. So I realized that I had a book coming out and I left an event that I was speaking at called Live to Grind. It was hosted by Brandon, shout out Brandon, in downtown LA. And a lot of other presenters there were talking about the power of podcasting. And I hadn't ever been on a podcast. I'd never recorded a podcast. I left that event with a goal to be featured on 100 podcasts in a single year. And I had absolutely no idea how I was going to do that. But you know what? I knew uh, I knew people and I knew that people was the key because relationships has always been a big focus for me. And I just love doing a lot of work around that. And I love helping people and all of those different things. So I thought about who are the two or three people I know who have a podcast and I can reach out to those people and give them a good enough incentive. I can give them a good enough motive to feature me on. It's a bit like the quote that says, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. If you don't give them a good enough incentive, then the answer is going to be no. If you just say, hey, can you feature me on your podcast? The people, you know, unless it's a crappy podcast that no one really listens to or no one really cares about, the person's going to say no. But if you can say, look, I've got this new business that I'm launching. It's helping change the world in in this way. My goal for the next 12 months is to get featured on this many podcasts or my, my goal is to spread awareness or here's my mission to let people know about it, get them excited and build the hype. They're going to say yes at a much, much greater probability. So to get featured on 100 podcasts, you're not looking for 100, you're looking for two or three. And before that podcast, you make sure that you prepare. You've got a microphone. Like I know you've got a microphone, Billy. Um, Lighting is another big one I wish I invested in early. Um, Microphone, Googling and, and going on YouTube to figure out how to use your microphone is a big one because the audio quality is a big factor in how you're perceived as a subject matter expert. It's a bit like watching a video on low resolution. So that audio is a big one, knowing how to use your microphone. So When you go on this interview, you are adding a ton of value. You sound clear and you sound professional. The next part from that, at the end of the interview, when they hit stop on the recording, you say to them, great podcast, tell me what are your big goals for the next year and what can I do to help? That's when they tell you what they need help with and that's your opportunity to say, cool, well, here's who I can connect you with or here's how I can help you. And they're going to turn around and they're going to say, what can I do to help you? And that's when you can say, look, as I said, my mission is to get, uh, my mission is to blah, blah, blah. If you know of two or three other podcasters who you think would be a great fit for my message or whose audience I can add value to, I'd greatly appreciate an introduction. And then you send them a follow up email afterwards to say exactly that. And you follow up a week later. And 80% of the results are going to come from that follow up email that you send a week later because people are busy. If you can do that, two and three, becomes five and six, becomes nine to 10, and all the way before you know it, you're at 100 podcasts you've been featured on um, as a guest. I mean, that's that's the way to do it. It's exactly, I think it was like 154 or something like that podcasts that I was featured on um, in a single year through that exact process. Um, Billy, what questions have you got on that? Well, my goal is 10 in a year. So (laughs) 100, yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. No, um, this is really helpful. So um, I do have a few podcasts that I already listened to that I just thought about reaching out to because I already listened to their content and I like listening to it and all their information is helpful. So um, 
Yeah. I mean, from here, it's just, as you were talking, I already was thinking of a few people that I could reach out to. And I know some connections just on my end that I'd be able to make for them as well. Love it. So um, it's also important to remember that when you're a guest on someone else's podcast, like not, not all podcasts are created equal. There are some that have very little audience and there are some that have a massive audience. It doesn't matter really like to a, to a degree if it's the experience podcasting is, is really good. Because if you can go on a podcast where it might be an opportunity to build a relationship with someone who privately could be doing a lot of cool things, but if nothing else, it's an opportunity for you to prove your craft at podcasting to get better and better at communication. And then for the bigger shows, of course, you're getting um, access to larger mailing lists and everything else. Um, Billy, so great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on the Win the Day podcast and sharing some of the struggles that you're having as a parent. Again, if you're just joining us, make sure that you go back and listen to the start of this so you can learn how to win 2023 and make it your best year yet. If you want to support the show and help bring more winners in our community, give the show a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's it from Billy and myself. Get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always. Always.